The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. everybody and welcome to another episode of squad wipe gaming this isn't a main episode this is what i call a bonus level um this is actually a conjunction a co-op mode as well of squad wipe gaming where we are not just representing squad wipe but also another podcast i'm involved in and that is called podcasters and because of this i am enjoying i am joined right now by anthony mullen from podcasters What's up, Greg? What's up, everyone? Glad to be so Anthony's, on. Yeah, Anthony's one of our co-DMs uh, over at Podcasters, where we play Dungeons & Dragons, as well as some other tabletop RPG games. Um, we are really just getting rolling with that. But there's been, we're doing Saturday sessions, which mm-hmm. I will be a part of tomorrow. Surprise, surprise. Um, and we will be playing some D&D. And uh, I've done a couple. I've DM down there a little bit. Um, I've been a player on a couple of games. But we have something special to talk about today. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, I'll say, as far as D&D community and tabletop in general, one of my favorite things is when they start dropping new modules and new contents because it's to me, it's kind of like, here's some DLC, something free for you to just kind of like wet the whistle, get a little taste of to see if it's good. And yeah. The newest one, it looks like it's more in your territory than mine, though. Yes. So they've been doing this kind of stuff a lot lately. Um, They've been doing Magic the Gathering. We've gotten a Rick and Morty module, um, which I I play Magic, so I I like that a lot. Um, But this one caught me off guard, and I'm really happy with it. And that is a game that I have uh, over 1,000 hours in at this point. Um, In League of Legends. So... Riot Games in the last year has expanded from a one-game territory to having mobile games, to having console games being set up, um, and having multiple League of Legends properties. So they have a new IP in Valorant that I've talked about a ton on the main show that I love. But League is their their bread and butter, their main go-to. Um, and League of Legends is the main game. There's now Team Fight Tactics, which is like an auto chess and Legends of Ruterra, which is a card game. Um, and this is to, Legends of Ruterra, the main goal is to expand the lore um, of League of Legends. And it looks like they took another step in that direction by partnering with Wizards of the Coast uh, and Dungeons and Dragons, releasing a League of Legends module uh, where you can go and be part of the story and and play through some of the, the background of um, of League of Legends in a Dungeons and Dragons 5e format. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say it's really cool because it's not official Wizards content, I think, where it's just Wizards. Yeah. It's, like, it's almost like a partnership, so I'm curious to see how long this will last. Do you have an idea, or do you think it's a timed, or is this a brand new whole setting, kind of like how they incorporated Magic? Where I know Magic is right off the bat, like Pharos, they just dropped, they had uh, Ravnica, and it's because mm-hmm. Wizards owns magic as well. Yes. So what do this, you think about this? 
will be, I think this will be a partnership. So Legends of Runeterra is already expanding out um, and expanding the lore, but they've also announced Wild Rift, which is gonna be a console game, which is just gonna be League of Legends on console and mobile. So that'll help. Um, but in the works, they have a, a dungeon crawler type RPG also that's gonna be kind of something like Baldur's Gate or Diablo, where you're going to be uh, adventuring through Runeterra even more. So I think this is a partnership uh, in a way that they're really trying to expand on the lore over at Riot Games. League is an arena game, so you don't really get to see uh, different backgrounds. You don't get to see the different settings as much uh, because you're, in, you're consistently in the same arena, but all these characters have these expansive, um, really interesting lores. So this is a way for them to kind of let their players dive into that a little more. Um, and I think this isn't the first one. So we'll, we'll launch this setting is Bilgewater, uh, which is one of my favorite settings, I think, within this. Um, it is, Bilgewater is pirates. It is very, I'm forgetting the name now. Pirate Cove? Uh, Pirate Cove, or what is the one from Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, um, oh, oh, man. A Singa like, uh, Singapore, like Singapore. Singapore. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, it's very much like that where this is like a, a fisherman village, but it's crime ridden and got this like a vast history of legends and, and sea monsters. Um, it's really cool. It's a really cool location. But this is one of many, and then, and that's what I'll, I'll say. Like I think this isn't over because Freylord, they have Noxious, they have uh, Piltover, Zahn. So there's a uh, and Demacia. So there's a ton of settings, Ionia, that they could go across that are very different, that add different tons of different types of characters, knights, samurais, um, inventors. So so I think this will just be the first of many. But I really want to focus on this setting to start. Um, and what it's kind of done here. Mm -hmm. um, while, you're, while you're getting that, I see you're pulling some stuff up. It looks like I'll say what, what it really intrigues me about a pirate setting is the un, I say lawlessness loosely. Yeah. Because it's lawless where there is no formal government as they state in the, in the chapter, in the about mm -hmm. stuff. And it's kind of like where if you do see the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, kind of like there is still a higher ranking. It's, there's still an order. It's kind of like a Nine Hells setting where mm -hmm. there is lawless, there is a structure of law within anything goes sort of yeah. setting. And I've never played a game in that kind of setting, especially uh, D&D-wise. So I think this would be a great way. And especially with, I mean, for a free module to them just kind of like plop and say like, I, I didn't see it on a, I didn't see anything announced on this. It's been nothing but Theros on D&D Beyond. And yeah. I kind of went on and it was like, actually how I found out about this was through a YouTube video, um, Nerd and, uh, not, uh, the Nerdism uh, okay. on YouTube. He just said, new subclasses. And I'm like, there's no new UA. Like, where did this come from? And there's like a, this would be like a $20 book, I feel. Yeah, oh, for sure. They've been, and, and they've been doing a ton of this stuff. It feels like they've really been pushing the UA. Mm -hmm. um, and I think more. what they're realizing with 5e is it's, it's so easy to, ooh, it's so easy to expand. It's so easy to build upon 
that they're just like, hey, let's make the customization options really open, even more, where you can build a world um, and, and anything that you do that's even remotely fantasy. Uh, it's really easy to adopt or adapt and change that. Um, and this is a really cool world. Like you said, yeah, there's still a structure of law. I think the only game I can really think of where I've seen like a pirate with a structure of law, maybe even Wild Wild West, but um, like Critical Role kind of, mm -hmm. kind of played on this with the Plank King and that pirates can do things, but there's still consequences if you, you know, you break those guidelines or the pirate code. That's what it's more is. It's less laws and more code based. I think, um, and and it's kind of interesting in that way, and I think it makes it really fun. I think it makes it like everyone's a criminal, but also no one wants to get ripped off. <laughs> it's like a, a respectfulness. Like to that. a point, yeah, or just more like, like I'm going to be ticked because you took my stuff, and I'm going to take your stuff, and there's going to be hell to pay, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, but also it depends on who you rip off, and... And what's happening? So, it's a cool little setting. They give you a ton of. They give you bars. Uh, they give you the different city districts that are really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there's even, like we kind of said, a belief system known as the tithe uh, that warms of people um, if they don't pay the tithe. You know, if they keep any um, coin like for themselves, that they may get taken down by Nautilus, which is a classic. Uh, League of Legends character, and I think it's super cool. I think it's a really cool way to to start introducing, you know, some of the lore of the characters I already know and love playing um, into this. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool little setting. So much different stuff. Like a little, there's the Birdhouse, uh, Squid Roast. These are like places that butcheries or butchers come to meet together, or a meeting hall that it used to be an old warehouse um, and the artwork they've added with it makes it even more interesting and it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah, no, it's really interesting. I'll say when I was reading through this, uh, like they really gave you everything and like they gave you a lot to just start off with where you can, you can easily take this and plot be ready to go for a full on yeah. two tier two tier one, tier two, maybe even tier three sessions, um, set of sessions, especially like, I mean, I would love to explore the slaughter docks alone. Yeah. I, I, I would love to explore that in the carving bay, the kill houses. I think that is so cool. And they, mm -hmm. what's really nice is that I like in each section, they even give little like mini quests that are available. Mm -hmm. and There's they build a lot of little it. quests. And, and it's a thing too, I think with this module, it's so easy if you know anything about the game. Like mm -hmm. for me, I've read the lore for most of the characters in this area as well as some of the other areas. So it would be really easy for me to take this and even make my own module in this setting. Um, it gives me so, it's so, it would be so easy to expand and, and to continue this forward um, mm -hmm. that, that I absolutely love. And they, they dive into so much different stuff um, we even get a little, there's not a, a ton of religion in, in League of Legends, a ton of beliefs, but um, there is a character, Alawi, who uh, worships Naga K. Boros, and they really dive into some of that um, about Naga, which I think is really cool because their, their history is even a little newer. Um, and they add a ton of, you know, a ton of encounters and even based off it kind of ties the game and some of the cards from TFT, which is smart marketing, 
um, such as the powder monkey card, which is just a, a phrase that had been said, and now they turn powder monkeys into real characters, which I think is really cool. So, so I have to ask, as far as, um, I remember playing League of Legends back in like my second semester of college, back at N-Trip, um, for like a couple weeks. And I was in, mm -hmm. I'm not good at, was it TFT games? Is that what it, is that the type of game? This is a MOBA. A MOBA. Um, League of Legends, like I, I'm not the best at those games. I mean, they're kind of cool. They're kind of a little mindless for me, a little strategy, but not my thing. It's not bad at all. So I don't really know a lot of the lore that much. Uh, how, how, in this type of setting, how is magic and how frequent is it? Is it heavily like a D&D type setting like Greyhawk or like the Forgotten Realms? Or is this more a uh, Eberron-ish? So it's pretty, it pretty much depends on the area. There's a lot of people with abilities. Um, it is very much like magical creatures. Like if you scroll through, you'll see like the weasel people and the half, like half, half mm -hmm. animal or half fish. Um, there's characters that are like spirits known as yordles that are these small little creatures that um, can like take all different types of forms. Um, there's large beasts. So, so magic is pretty active. I don't think everyone has access to it, um, but a lot of people do have access to magic or extraordinary skills or weapons. Um, one of the things about Naga K. Burroughs, for example, is there's someone who actually wields the eye of Naga that is a weapon. So when she's not using it, it's sitting in this spot. So people know these artifacts exist and can come visit them. Uh, it's not like a secret that people have abilities. Interesting, interesting. It really, I mean, it really sounds fun. And it sounds like, I mean, this is completely, not even selfishly, it's, it's smart marketing because mm -hmm. people want to, and they're not, I, I don't feel like, uh, I don't feel like fans of the game itself, as far as like uh, Legends of Runeterra or League of Legends like you, this is just, hey, this is just another way to become interactive. And then yes. players like me that I don't know anything about this, but this is different enough where it's not like, oh, this is just another D&D setting. No, this is unique enough with the idea yeah. of the, the, the renegade classes and they're just, just different, d different enough that we haven't seen it yet where it's like, ooh, this is fun. And this seems like yeah. a seedy setting that I can and get that's into. how all of it is. And, and all of, all, one of the things I love about League is they take these classic settings and kind of add a twist to them like Freelord is very viking or like norse based but it has its own vibe to it uh, and, and its own like lore and everything and i love that it, it feels like they pluck a little thing out of everything like iona is very japanese culture or old school asian culture so there's a lot you can do you can really expand on the setting uh, and even it seems like they've introduced some npcs and characters that they can introduce into the games down the road Mm -hmm. um, and if a MOBA is not for you, the beauty is they're making, you know, different types of games now with this same setting. So you might get into something else because of this. Like mm -hmm. you might play a round of Legends of, or play a round of this um, and go, hey, when that like Diablo style game comes out, when that Dungeon Color game is out, I want to go Adventure Room Terra more. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really smart on their behalf, on their part, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say, um, um, uh, that, I'll say that when when I actually was reading through this, uh, when Rune Terra first came out on the actual, I saw the, I saw it out of nowhere. Like it just, out of nowhere, two months ago, it just was on everywhere on my Facebook and just 
sponsored feed. They're trying to get me to download it. And I didn't, it was like, yeah. I'm not buying into this. I don't like League of Legends. It's not my thing. I, I don't want a mobile League of Legends game. And it's funny that it was trying to push it towards me because I love card deck builder games. Yeah. So when I started looking into it now, I'm like, wait, hold on. So I actually downloaded Runeterra this morning. And I want to check That's it out. Good because, game. because it sounds like the actual game structure of like how you play it is that you have champions, spells, and then just like actual yeah. just players. And from what I was reading of Runeterra itself, uh, tries to it was based off of a very uh, Magic the Gathering style. Yes. It's so, like Magic the Gathering, or it's got a Hearthstone vibe to it. Uh, but it, it's still unique in its own in its own way, which I really like about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's quick. I've been playing it a lot since it's come out. But again, I'm a, I'm a Riot enthusiast. I say it all on this show. Like anything Riot does, I'm gonna support. It's one of my favorite one of my favorite producers or publishers right now. Developers. Um, I've been playing Valorant since the closed beta. I've been on Legends of Runeterra in the closed beta. I'm in the League beta servers. I was playing TFT on the beta server. So, like, um, I'm all about it. And it, it, it is. It's a really, really cool game. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about is I want to hop into um, – I will I – I do want to touch quickly on the modules. So they did add, um, mm -hmm. as far as, like, storylines and stuff – they added Shadow Isles, so you can fight the, the ghosts and spirits of Shadow Isles, which adds, like, Harrowing, which are characters like, if you know the game, Thresh and Fiddlesticks and Hecarim, uh, Nocturne, which are these more, like, monstrous, like, creepy, fearful characters. And I love that they added this into this, like, lawless setting, because it gives something these cutthroats to be scared of. Um... And, and I really like that, but I want to talk about the three classes that are class sub archetypes they released with this because they're actually incredible. I want to start from the bottom up because the top one is my favorite. Um, All right. So the first is that rogue archetype, which is really, really cool. Let me pull that up right here. I'm going to, I'll follow it with you. So straight to the rogue. All right. Let's go through this, man. Uh, I'm gonna let you take it away with this because this kind of, I know he's one of your favorite, this, this archetype is kind of one of your favorite uh, superheroes. <laughs> yes. So this archetype is very much Gambit uh, of X-Men, but also Twisted Fate from the League of Legends game. Uh, each of these archetypes kind of are roughly taken from champions from League of Legends already, which is really cool. Uh, so, so with this rogue archetype, what it allows you to do um, at, at third level, you do get a little magic, you get some guidance, um, and you are kind of, you lean towards giving yourself for, uh, extra fortune. Um, but also, your, your main weapon, you're proficient with cards as a weapon. Um, and it, it's really cool because I think it like le leans heavily on the gambling thing. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, you throw a card and it does damage. But uh, mm. there's you can be proficient with a game set, which I think is really funny to me, um, that, you know, you're, you actually are really good at a game, a specific game, and it's either dice, dragon chess, or playing cards. Um, and you can, you can uh, change your choice of Gambit whenever you gain a level in this class. But, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So I want to go, um, I, I kind of want to go into that real quick. So how do you feel about that? Because, I mean, I feel like when you pick one of them, either, like, why, why should you wait a level to 
to change a proficiency. Because you can, so every level, like, it's like, if I'm proficient with the loaded dice, why do I have to lose my proficiency? I wonder if maybe... So I think for this specific character, it makes sense because I think it's less about being proficient and more about having fortune and luck in that that thing when you're thinking about this character is this character's whole basis is that they are lucky or they can kind of control their own their own fortune a little bit, their own luck a little bit. Okay. So I think if it less it like I'm really good at dice or I'm really good at playing cards and more like, okay, I can at it. I, I'm a little, like, I can be a little luckier here. Um, I right. can figure out some stuff. And these, on top of these, those sets give you mm-hmm. combat skills. They oh, give yeah. you proficiencies based in combat. So if you pick the dice set, um, you actually gain an X, some extra D6s you can add to your sneak attack damage. Um, that is true. Or, or you gain a pool. Oh, sorry, no, you don't add them to your sneak attack damage. I read that wrong. No, you- you can use them as a reaction to subtract um, damage or a roll and make someone miss you. That's what it is. So it's very much um, like the uh, cutting words. Yes. So you, which on a rogue is amazing because rogues tend to be a little squishier sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, with dragon chess, you actually have three different chess pieces, and using your charisma modifier. Um, a num- so a number of times equal to those charisma modifiers, you can use one of three, these three abilities. Dragon, uh, a creature you can see within 30 feet of you, the first time that creature makes a successful attack roll, um, before the start of your next turn, they deal extra damage to your uh, equal to your level in this class. So you can buff your partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can help your team do a little better. Uh, your movement speed can be increased and does not provoke uh, opportunities of uh, opportunity attacks, and that's with the Griffin. And then that's the cool. Sylph, um, you and all your friendly, like friendly creatures within five feet, have advanced advantage on dexterity saving throws. So that's I think I like that because it makes um, rogues tend to be like solo players, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like rogues don't always stick with the party except for when they're disabling traps. Um, so I like that. And then on the playing cards, you actually roll a d4. Um, and you can pick a card from one of four suits. So the blade suit lets you roll sneak attack damage and add it to razor cards, uh, razor cards damage. Um, so I don't think you even need to, to have, um, no. the sneak attack bonus nope. and the target takes damage equal to half the sneak attack damage rolled on the next turn. So it gives a little bit of a bleed. Uh, shackle lets you lower the speed of the target by half. And then heart, you roll your sneak attack damage, add to the razor card, and you gain life back based on that. And any excess hit points become temporary hit points. Mm -hmm. And then the wild card lets you actually pick one of those three. So so it is already random, and if you get the wild card, you get to specifically go, okay, this is what I want to use. I like it because it's kind of... You don't actually know what's going to happen with it. It is a, it is a gamble um, still, in a sense. Which is fun. Which is fun for this character. I, I see this, and like this alone, I'll say, I there's only been two subclasses that have made me want to play as a rogue. Yeah. And uh, like it's like I totally like how some players love rogues. Some players love uh, warlocks or wizards and fighters. I've never wanted to play a rogue. It's not my yeah. thing. Uh, the UA, uh, the, the soul knife, makes me want mm-hmm. to try it 
this makes me want to try a rogue, especially that whole gambit, like charlatan, I'm going to be a card player, or maybe I work in a casino type of idea or like an underground, like almost like yeah. one of those like illegal casinos that you see in movies that like you have to like sneak into. Yeah. You're less of like a hero and more of like a, like a thief, like a, a Robin Hood esque or something. Mm-hmm. Like you can do a lot with this character. And, and I do like the idea that like, this turns your ro- this turns your rogue rather than a lone wolf into a no you you are you are gaining buffing ability you're gaining uh the you can gain the possible cutting words basically ability from so you get a little bit of cleric you get a little bit of uh bard and then i mean yep. the playing the cards that's just a general just gamble because I mean, as you're reading this, I'm sitting here going, how can I use the, this ability in, in my character? How would I use it? And m- the way I see it is that I want the sneak attack damage. So my goal is that the way I'm going to play this character is I want to get in with the, my enemy, my target, get them into a game of cards under the table, flick the card at them in the middle, and yeah. then roll the dice. I have a one in three, sh- I, I have a three in four chances of doing something that's going to hurt them to the point to where I like I'm advantage. So like if I hit the blade, yeah. they got extra damage. If I hit the shackle, they ha- their speed is half, so they can't run. Wild yeah. ace, I get to choose. The heart is the only one that wouldn't really help me in that situation, except just give me temporary hit points so that yeah, in the rebuttal, I have a buff up on that. Like, yep, these are really cool. And yeah, then, and there's even and it gets he gets stronger. So mm-hmm. the one thing I will say with all three of these classes is we read them out is as a dm you definitely have to balance because i think they get pretty nuts um yeah (laughs) so so shifting the odds level nine uh you are able to as a bonus action disappear each creature within 10 feet of you must make a dexterity saving throw taking 4d10 force damage on a failed save half on a successful and then teleport yourself 120 feet away um, from your original location, and it's, you can only use that once per rest. But still, that's especially as a rogue. Yeah. Uh, if you end up in close, it lets you get out and deal damage, um, which is great. You, if you're rolling initiative, um, you can swap places in the initiative order at level that team. That's a really cool one. Well, do you not even see? It's not even just allies. If the creature is one of your allies, you have oh, to yeah. agree to it. So. Big yeah, bad, any feature you can see. I'm swapping. Yeah. I'm swapping uh, places with the with the big bad if he's up higher than me. And yeah. if anything, if let let's say I go in and I'm not going to gain sneak attack advantage on this, I'm going to mm-hmm. swap it with the tank that's on the low end of the spectrum. I'm giving them the first initiative yep. roll. Exactly. The Joker uh, Wilds then- is actually pretty cool too. You just, yeah, you become incorporeal. And I think the best thing about this, like your movement speed doubles and you deal a little extra damage. Um, like you can go inside of someone. Yes. Uh, but I think the main thing is, and hey, look, the word shunted doesn't mean what we thought it did. Uh, it's right in there. Nice. Um, is if you've used any of your abilities, your card, dragon, chest, or dice ability, you regain it all which that I think is pretty cool. Like that's nice because you don't have, you can burn that early on in the fight and then pop this uh, and come back full strength, which I think oh, yeah. at a higher level is crucial. Because mm-hmm. I mean, and what's nice is that I, uh, offhand I don't have a full rogues table pulled up. Actually, I actually could. Um, 
I'm curious to see what the other rogue features you gained are because for this at set level 17, oh, yeah. this is definitely that fourth tier. Like by this point in a rogue's career or by this point in your rogue levels up, you're, you're already going to be very deadly, but I don't yeah. know what else you have left to gain by level 17. And so at... I think it gives you a little more survivability. I think it allows you to stay engaged and not have to hide and run as often. Um, you know, I, so I think it, it, I think it gives you yeah. a little bit of that sticking power. You know what? It really is because, I mean, up until, apart from uh, your ability score from level 16 and the Slippery Mind in level 15, you don't really get nothing big until the stroke of luck at level 20. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to jump into a multi-class, maybe follow up, do uh, dip into one or two other levels of healing possibly, or somewhere else to gain some more magic. This is still fun to ride out for 17 levels to get the Joker wild. That's, that is worth it for a capstone of the subclass in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's rare that like sometimes, you know, going multi-class like is discouraging because mm -hmm. of that. But like to dip three levels into like a fighter, give yourself an action surge as a rogue. <laughs> like, oh God. It, you can do stuff like that and be totally comfortable. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I don't think you're missing out unless you want to do that soul 20, um, unless you're one of those yeah. like, per, per, like purist. I think which I kind of am sometimes. Like I get a little nervous multi-classing unless it fits for the character. Mm -hmm. For me, like, I don't multi-class so much for um, functionality. I multi-class for storytelling more. Same. Same. Uh, when I try to do personal character builds, like for fun, I like to try and see how creative can I get with purposeful. Like, all right, I'm going to take three levels yeah. here for this ability. I'm going to jump here. Um, but for me, when I personally like to play, I do try to follow the... Uh, I too try to follow the storytelling aspects. I feel, I feel it comes more natural. And even if it doesn't yeah. fit and you like, oh, I lost out that capstone. Yeah, but you, the way you embellish and use your abilities, it just promotes it even further. Yeah. So, And if you get the right synergy, it does balance it out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, the I'm next... totally down for this. Next, though, yeah. is a really fun one. And I'm going to tell you, as this is a subclass I have been wanting I've been wanting to see yeah. it and I've been debating on like somehow homebrewing for myself. And it sounds like uh, Riot did it for me well, with D&D. Yeah. &D. Uh, this Even, is the Renegade. I, I feel like a lot of people have wanted a class like this. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we've seen it in something like Critical Role. Uh, we've seen subclasses where people have attempted this since Pathfinder. Um, and that's having a gunfighter class. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will say what is nice too, and I get the idea of I don't know if wizard wizards were wizards were hesitant to add a gunfighter in their main content uh, from the get go because once you start going to guns, then what's the point of swords? Like I get that. Yeah. Um, so I think especially I don't know as far as how much a technology advancement is in Rune Terra and uh, is there a name for the setting? Is Runeterra the setting of League? Or? Yeah, Runeterra is the setting. Okay. So and in like Runeterra, I don't know like, like what their technology is like, so I don't know if guns are just normal. It's pretty steampunk. It's all over. The, people use guns. People use swords. Like Runeterra is one of those, like it fits a D&D &D because there's people who don't need weapons at all. They have strictly magic. There's people who fight mm -hmm. with their fists. There's people who fight with giant 
swords. There's people who fight with, you know, cannons or yeah. or just a shield made out of a door. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it all depends on the person. So, yeah, I mean, so I guess in, in a new setting as Runeterra, I, it would be safe to implement more of a, let's give you a gunfighter build, but make it more crazy and more out there. Because, I mean, Matt Mercer did really nice for the gunfighter uh, or the gunslinger for critical role content, but it was more of a tamed and it felt more controlled, like not so out there as far as just like, all right, you have to be a tinkerer. You take, you take disadvantage or you take reper, uh, repercussions if you miss a shot because it is hand built and everything. Yeah. This is more or less, there is no repercussions other than just, I think it's like a negative, uh, something to your gunshot. I think you like a negative plus or a yeah. negative uh, modifier to just equal out the damage. So it's not like rolling D10s. Um, it, and it's cool. I, I, I mm-hmm. love that it's the pistolier. I really like they added the sniper, so you can kind of play with that long range more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then just the, the upgrades. The upgrades are really cool. Yes. Um, and, so and the, con, the, the, the lore behind it is great as well. So who, um, who are they really trying to focus and feature from uh, Bidge Bilge? I'm sorry. How was this? Bilgewater. Bilgewater. Who are Bilge they really trying to uh, uh, Miss Fortune, who's who's one of my ADC mains. Um, so my attack damage carry. I play. I play Miss Fortune, and this has a lot of basis off her style. Um, and and they definitely have added some other characters who use like the caliber net is Caitlyn from Piltover. That's one of her abilities. Um, Smokescreen here is actually an ability of Graves, who is a build water character as well. Um, so it looks like they've added a couple of the abilities of a, a couple different characters within um, that all use guns in Runeterra. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do like is that you do, uh, th- this isn't just a, I got a gun, I bought a gun, or I stole a gun. This is more or less the idea that I'm, scav- I'm scavenging and I am homebrewing it yeah. myself and not just, oh, I built a gun and it's very basic and rudimentary. It's the, the whole idea is that as you level up, it's kind of like the idea of, I think, the Battlemaster. It can kind of be mm-hmm. compared to where the Battlemaster, the, instead of getting feats every two levels, you, you just gain more maneuvers and more tactics. Yep. That, that's your whole idea is you are the combat Battlemaster. So this is kind of like you are the ultimate sharpshooter gunslinger i guess because every other level every couple levels you get the idea or you get the ability to uh improve upgrades to your guns have the options to do different uh equips uh as far as major upgrades and minor upgrades yeah the major upgrades are what's huge one of the things and i could be wrong for this but i tend to lean towards casters because I think casters have a higher influence on the fight at higher levels because of big, big spells and stuff. Whereas like a fighter, it's like, I attacked six times. Yay. But it's like, I, I don't feel like I can, you know, drop a firestorm in the middle of the map. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this allows you to have some of that feeling with like the barrage and, and the lightning round. It allows you to feel a little more, um, effective yes as as a fighter i feel like it gives you a little bit of those you know like you get to be a little showy um and and have your own abilities like look i can and again it's you're stealing arcane parts and upgrading the gun too so it's not just like my guns are really strong it's like there's a reason behind it oh yeah um now i there is 
a mechanic here that was included, and I don't know if this in this subclass. So I'm assuming it's referring to two, but it's placed right between the pistolier and the sniper underneath the little sigil. And it mm -hmm. states that, so the number of shots you can fire during a single action increases when you reach higher levels in the subclass, which is really cool itself where yeah. you, you can start pop, popping off a lot more. I mean, yeah. can you picture being a level, I don't know, where get through, get three action surges available with two attacks per round or, I mean, yep. you could you could it's potentially you pop 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 reload pop 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 maybe have a second yeah. gun. I mean, I think this is definitely what you were saying. It it brings the fighter in the melee up to stay up to caliber because, I mean, a level level uh, a level seventeen fighter can deal out with enough uh, yeah. great weapon master enough. Uh, oh yeah with with enough feats you can deal out you know a good 50 points of damage 70 points of damage if maybe multi-class into raging or you have a buff to deal uh, extra attacks you can get there but it's that weight kind of like the kind of like the spellcaster yeah. this kind of substitute the you don't got to substitute and forfeit and have to forego ability scores mm -hmm. to gain feats and abilities this is just no you're you're able to have dexterity and just you pop off enough shots in time and then even yeah. so, the sniper, the damage itself increases by 1d10, or increases, I think, by a d uh, at, at additional levels as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, 6d10 at a 6d10 per shot at 20th level, you can fire, what, four shots per, per attack? Action I surge that? So. I mean, I haven't played this out, and I haven't done the math yet, but I'm sure that yeah, that I seems mean, like it's going to end up being something they uh, they touch up. That's like a revised. Because oh yeah, what we say about very, it, you can take advantage of it. It could get pretty OP. Well, I think this is they kind of there was no uh, unearthed arcana, so I wonder if this was kind of their way of being like, listen, we're going to give this to you. We're going to make it fun and intriguing. We're going to scale it back eventually. Um, yeah, I think they might have to. Um, just to really run quick mm -hmm. through the rest of this this um, abilities here. Seventh level, you get cunning shot. You learn how to exploit a foe's weak spots. Mm -hmm. uh, the damage that by your firearm, including damage via upgrades, ignores resistance and immunities. That's pretty That's great. Cool. Uh, ten. This is probably my favorite ability you get, um, and I would love to see this on other fighters. Like I wish this was a feat I could take on my my regular fighters. Um, at tenth level, you brace yourself in the heat of battle, even when gravely wounded. When you use second wind, your AC gains a bonus one and your movement speed increases. I feel like that should be a fighter feat. I think that, or a barbarian feat. I think that's just cool. Keep that you in the mix. Cool. Whereas, like, a, a, actually, as a gunfighter, I don't know if that fits as well because, like, I'm not in the middle. Like, I guess, like, yeah, you just, like, all right, this sucks. But, like, I picture that as, like, a, you know, someone in the middle of a pile getting. Well, like hit and warming up with it, it, that fits more with the uh if you do the pistol ear because you uh you yeah. gain you you're proficient close range with the pistol when you join when you do that yeah. class. so I, I mean more like personality oh in general character like uh i you know a, a character that gets shot in the arm like they might just like keep moving where like uh, when you picture like a leonidas is like the ultimate fighter to me uh, gets stabbed in the gut, he keeps going forward and just keeps like fighting harder. Yeah. Uh, right gun for the job. Your skills, your firearm can adapt to any situation. When you finish a long rest, you can replace your upgrades. So you can swap out your upgrades at 15th level, which I think is pretty cool. Um, 
and you can't have more than two major upgrades at a time, so you still have to meet the prerequisites, but you can you can kind of adapt your guns based on you know you're going to a specific situation. Mm -hmm. And then 18th level, the big one, uh, this one's at 18th instead of 17th, so it does, I think, keep you a little more grounded. You're not able to uh, multi-class as hard, but you learn to channel the volatile force of your firearm, black powder into a single blast. As a bonus action, you can either throw it out or set a small explosive. If you throw the explosives, it has a range of 30 feet and detonates immediately. If set down, um, it can be detonated remotely from 60 feet as another bonus action. When detonated, each creature within the 15 feet foot radius takes 12d6, force damage on a failure, and half as much on success from a dexterity saving throw. Uh, this DC is equal to your firearm upgrade DC. And then, but you can only use that once per long rest. So I don't think it's as OP of, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a little bomb. It does 12d6, which is great. But to wait 18th level, like, I actually might up, like, class somewhere else and just be like, I don't care about this. I just want to shoot more <laughs> um, or shoot harder. I agree with you, and I can completely understand that argument. My only, because not even to, like, disagree, but to understand a counter argument for me on this one would be, if I'm going this far as a fighter, I want to get that fourth action surge and I want to be able to do yeah. four attacks per round. Yeah, so, and that's fair. So, I mean, I think it's just like here, you're two levels away. You're about to be able to become the ultimate fighter in combat. Yeah. Here's something to until you get there. Which is fair. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then, so that's a really cool class. I like the idea of the guns. And I think some people will probably start adapting that into their campaigns. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome. This last one is my favorite. And now the last one, uh, where the other two were like the pirates and the gamblers, this focuses more on the beasts of, uh, of Bilgewater, of uh, the creatures of, you know, like in this, the show or in the, the show, the video game, we have Nautilus, we have Tom Kent, we have Thresh from, from Shadow Isles, which are more of these like spiritual, uh, mystic creatures of the deep. Um, you're as Cthulhu's kind of sort of, right. you're your monsters. Um, and we get a barbarian subclass called um, Path of the Depths. Now, certain parts of this are very specific to a water campaign. Like your third level ability, you gain a swimming speed equal to your walking speed and gain the ability to breathe underwater. Which is really cool. Overall, it's really cool. Overall, like you might not really use that in a campaign that often. But if you are in a water setting or a pirate setting, that's going to be super useful. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the, those, it's one of those, like, it's kind of like having to spell uh, water breathing. Like, you'll never use it. Yeah. In that instance that you need it, you're glad you it's have cool. it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but at third level, I mean, the other thing is, <laughs> third level, you, get a, is... you get an extra appendage when you enter rage. So you, you can grow a a kraken tentacle, a giant anchor, you can have a set of jaws come out. Maybe maybe a chain comes from your hand, very Ghost Rider-ish. Um, I think it's really cool, it allows a, a lot of customization, but as a bonus action, you can strike with its appendage, so it gives you an extra attack mm -hmm. at third level, um, and within 15 feet, the target must succeed on a strength saving that will be pulled to you um, up to 10 feet. That 10 feet pole is a barbarian, that gap closing, 
oh, is huge. As a bonus action. As a bonus action, especially later when you get stronger and you have that increased movement speed too, you can close gaps so quickly on some of the squishier um, opponents that I think it's huge. It's just really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, and then sixth level, again, it's a water-based though. You burst mm -hmm. into the water um, and when you material or and then materialize somewhere else as an action, dramatically a teleport along with any equipment you're carrying up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. Before after teleporting, you can make one attack as part of your action. Uh, oh, you can burst into water, then materialize. Yes. So this is just a teleport. I thought you had to go into the no, water. No, it's essentially uh, just a misty step, but with a waterish yeah. with a water flourish, and you get an as attack. As a barbarian. Yeah, as a you get to misty step as a barbarian, and you get an unprovoked attack. You just attack. So you're yeah. using your action to move and that. Like, and again, gap close, you teleport 30 feet, pop up, use the tentacle, which is a bonus action. Mm -hmm. now, here's and pull the that person to you. You can't attack with the teleport if you have, because if they're not in range, but still, still the gap closes a barbarian is insane or to be able to pull someone off of your, your squishier allies. Here's what I, what I was thinking of this, because I'm just like, all right, how can I easily break this combo at six level? Now, what's cool is that it says that you can make the attack before or after teleporting, yeah. too. So let's say I'm in combat, or let's say uh, they're far away. I'm going to grab you, pull you in, attack you. What's up? No, nothing. You're good. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab you, pull you in, attack you, and then bamf out, misty step, unprovoked. Yes. Like, all with that, within the right, within the same turn. I mean, that's something you do hear from like spell cat, like, like get. Yeah, like, exactly. Gets. Like that is not a, that is not normal for a barbarian to be able to do. And it makes me feel very warlockish. Yeah, exactly. Which, that's, and that's kind of the vibe they want to give you is this mm -hmm. like, eld, the, one of the ways they describe this is like an eldritch barbarian. Mm -hmm. um, Which, so oh. if, if you don't want to be more of a, a setter, you can kind of do this as more of like a warlock having a patron or being mm -hmm. a creature. I think it'd be cool to like, I don't think people play Triton enough. I think it'd be cool to have like this weird version of a Triton. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, level 10, you get a physical adaptation. Um, mm -hmm. So you can either gain the ability to use echolocation, which uh, you cast a true seeing spell, basically. You which can is really cool. Add a really, really cool, especially as, a, again, a weird thing as a barbarian. Uh, but mm -hmm. it'll let you see invisible opponents and punch them. <laughs> you can have two appendages which both can do that attack um so you can attempt with both on your bonus action you attempt two grabs um on your bonus action you gain temporary hit points which this is a lot of this so so that's the tom kench thing he does the gray the gray health in the game um frightening is a big thing so uh, in the games as well but soul of the deep allows you to be immune to charming and frightening and then Armor of the Deep gives you a, a boosted health uh, armor class, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. not, um, many, not many abilities just straight up give you uh, an armor, an AC boost just with a yeah. rest. And you can change any of those per long rest. Oh, um, sorry. Is it per long rest or short? Per long. Per long. You can, okay. or, or short. You can, no, wait. Yeah, I was right. 
During a long rest, you're going to replace your chosen mana space. But that's, again, this so, customization of, of, okay, I'm going into a combat-heavy fight, I'm going to have two arms. Or, like, hey, I'm going into a place where I might have to deal with being, like, charmed or frightened, like I'm fighting a vampire, I'm going to use Soul of the Deep. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's pretty cool. And then this is a... Uh, again, I, and I think they always do this with barbarians. I feel like they encourage multi-classing in the fighter a lot. Um, is Death Charge. At 14th level, you can use your Ghost Water Dive ability. You can choose to appear with a wave of Tidal Force. So when you use your 6th ability, when you pop up, um, and this is a Nami thing, who, or I guess it kind of goes off Nautilus as well. All creatures within 10 feet of you must make a strength saving throw on a failed save. The creature takes 3d6 force damage and not prone. Uh, and then it's unsuccessful say or successful save is half damage mm -hmm. um, and no no prone. But again, as a barbarian, teleport damage prone. Now I get crits. Action surge <laughs> it for the rest of the yeah. turn. Oh my headphones! Yeah, mean, and that's huge. Yeah, I. This is a really really dirty subclass that I hope. I don't want them to nerf it, but I feel like they're definitely gonna. I mean, they're gonna scale yeah. back on certain parts of it, but this is some interesting mechanics that are just very, very weird. The minute you even said the effects of being immune to charmed or frightened, I'm just like, man, I want to play a soul. Of the I want to. I want to play one of these guys in Ravenloft. Like, yeah, that yeah, for be, sure. Like, like something creepy setting, like some horror setting. This would be awesome in. Very different. Oh, for sure, it is. It's very eldritch. It's very Lovecrafty. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really like it, and especially when you add the harrowing when they're fighting. So harrowing is kind of like a Ravenloft. Um, that's when the Shadow Isles come to, you know, Billswater, and they're fighting these these creatures, these spirits. Um, so I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. I really dig. So I usually don't play Barbarian because I like to play off type. People look at me and think I'm going to be playing a Barbarian. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big dude, I'm a professional wrestler, like, oh, this guy's a barbarian. When I walk in and I play a bard or, or a sorcerer, people are like, huh, huh wait, what? Yeah. I usually am a halfling on top of that. Um, totally throws people off, like, I'll be playing a gnome this week. <laughs> it, it messes people up that, that I do that. So I tend to not lean towards barbarian because I like to play off type. I like to um, show people, like, you know, I don't, when I play d and I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be what you look at me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, so but this makes me want to play Barbarian. This makes me go, this is a subclass I'll, I'll mess with. Um, oh, yeah. I can do this. I, now, I don't know if I'd want to play a full campaign as this subclass because I don't have a good idea for it right now, but it would definitely be one I would be like, all right, I'm going to play this as like a one shot uh, and just tear stuff up. If I could come up with a good concept for this, I probably would jump into it. Um, again, I'm a, I'm a role play player. So everything I do, every, everything I have like for my character, um, I, I, I want it to Purpose. have a reason. If not, I'm really good at taking advantage. Kind of like I did with Igor, um, completely did in, in ours. Like I just was like, I like this subclass. I can break it. I'm going to break it. And I took advantage of it. I didn't really have a reason for it other than I was a turtle with weapons. Uh, and I just wanted to—I wanted to see if I could break the subclass, and I um, did break it. I just want to let all of the Squad Wipe gamers listening, Squad Wipe gaming podcast listeners uh, listening in, 
if you're if you're listening via podcasters, you all know this. Uh, Greg, I don't think you took damage yet as Igor. Pretty sure. Yes. No. I don't. I, if I did, it was like three, and it was because of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think like or Jay. <laughs> yeah, I think either me. I think I haven't taken any damage outside of like my own party dealing damage to me. Yeah. Um, because I have a, a 19 AC. I actually almost did that for this as well, but I decided not to take a high AC at level three and not have a, a plus 19 AC. Um, but and that's the thing that. too, like <laughs> these leave a lot of ability or a lot of open for like, for players like me mm-hmm. who can take advantage of rules as written yes. and mess with stuff. Um, so it's just something to watch as a DM. I purposely try not to do that. Sometimes I do it just because it's fun. Because if yeah. I know it's not a long campaign, I'll break it. I'll, why not? not fun. You know, like we do that when we play video games too. Mm-hmm. We, uh, League of Legends is is known for you know doing a build that breaks the game. It's what that's why Earth right now is what it's up for. Like I think three or four more days or two more days. I could be wrong by the time this episode comes up. And Earth is all about no cooldowns. Uh, Legal Edge, it's 80% cooldown, no mana, so you can just do whatever you want. So it's really easy to break the League of Legends game because all of the limits that make it playable are gone. You have characters that can go 20 and 1 and never die and not have to worry. So uh, I, I like that sometimes. Sometimes it's fun to be like, what can I do if I really try to push this? Oh, yeah. Um, but this is a really cool setting. It adds, like a couple, like I said, a couple um, storylines. You can go into the Naga Boros, the harrowing stuff. You can, you, know, you can fight Gangplank or be part of the fight between Misfortune and Gangplank, which is um, very famous among the storyline in League of Legends and Bilgewater. So I really like this. I hope, like I said, I hope to see more. Um, I'm a big Freylord fan, so I'd love to see Freylord next. One of my favorite champions of all time is from there in, in Braum. Um, but I think Piltover and Zaun could be really cool as well. Um, I would love to see like a Paladin class where all based around the shield um, for Braum in Freylord. So I, I really think it, there's so much you can do. Um, mm-hmm. Because Riot writes these really interesting champions with really interesting abilities. Yeah. I mean, uh, from what I'm seeing right here is just, I'll tell you is that I, I am intimidated when jumping into a pre-existent setting that I'm not yes. aware of. So like, I've, like, I wanted to play uh, like Rise of Tiamat and imagine Dungeon of the Mad of uh, Waterdeep, but of the Mad Mage, but I don't know Waterdeep history. So I'm like, I don't know if I yeah. could, and I know I probably could with enough research and backup, but that's just how I am. Uh, but now I see stuff like Pharos, and I'm just like, man, that looks fun. I really want to play this. I see stuff like this. It's like, man, that is really interesting, really fun. Like, I want to read up on Bilgewater and really yeah. kind of be like, where could this place be and where could it go? If anything, heck, I kind of want to take this and rip the skin and plop mm-hmm. it in Fabala. Yeah. You, and you totally can. Um, but with, I think the cool thing about this, too, is Runeterra would be super, super intimidating if they were like here's a Ruterra campaign book mm-hmm. because like i said knocked over or noxious piltover zon um you know Demacia, like ionia uh, the cosmic the shadow isles yordles like there's so much lore that it would be like what what where am i what am i doing mm-hmm. mount tarragon um they're hinting do, doing they're tastes hinting. Oh, here's is, the thing the way to get like more comfortable. So if they do a Bilgewater, if they do a Freylord, 
eventually you can have enough books to have a whole campaign setting. So now here's real, what's really funny, real quick, Freylord, what kind of setting is that? Is that the Norse? It's like Norse Viking, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So I don't know for fact, I didn't get to look in and verify it yet, but from, what, uh, from the people I watch on YouTube and I do some researching, uh, nerd nerdism if you look up on youtube he's the one with like he does like a an orange d20 as his icon with an n yeah he was talking about how he heard about D doing two new books this year and one of them he was saying was going to be an ice themed setting that yeah. he thinks we're going to get i don't know if it's going to be in forgotten realms but i feel like the name Freylord is familiar and I don't know there's if it's a, because I found out about it from here if it's in Forgotten Realm stuff. There's a chance that they could be building on it. Freylord is also a common um, Norse term okay. um, that has to do with like ice and, and such. Let me just okay. So the Freylord um, is is a harsh, unforgiving land. Like people use Freylord when they talk about the, the northern areas. Um, so it is definitely something that is possible mm -hmm. um see it says see this was before oh let me i'm just gonna search right here and leaked leaked D, D. sorry guys listening in we're we're doing a little bit of diving real quick to see if we can grab this um so this was from ivy uh 2020 book you see it it's possible that it's another book. It's possible that they're going to continue to expand on Runeterra. This might not it's, be something that has to do with Runeterra. I'm sorry, it's called Icewind Dale. Okay, yeah. That's where it is. So that's why I, I think they leaked an image where, they, where they're going to be going People into an ice-themed setting. But there's, it's totally possible. I think this partnership isn't over. Mm -hmm. I think um, with the release of new games and stuff, I think they'll continue to do this. Riot has been working really hard to go from a one-game developer to uh, um, they're trying to become like Blizzard, basically, uh, and and they can. I think they they really can. A lot of their games are similar to Blizzard right now, but I think they really can do something like that. Um, they've taken the east. They've been one of the giants in esports uh, with the le the um, LCS, the LEC, the LCK the GPL, um, you know, so, so they've been all over esports, all over the world. So, so they might just be trying to become even more and have these kind of things like, um, world of Warcraft has all these books and they have, uh, miniature games and stuff like that. So I think Riot's trying to enter the same world. I love this setting. Um, so I'm going to say it now because I'm not even going to bother. We're, uh, we're going to run a one shot on this at some mm -hmm. point. Um, I'm going to get, I have some, some of my players that I frequent with, um, in, in League of Legends that play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and some other people. And I, we're going to run a one shot in the room Terra setting as a podcasters powered by squad wipe gaming. Um, it's going to be something I'm going to do. Uh, I'm really excited to dive into it. We'll probably play with a couple of these subclasses. Um, so keep an ear out for that, uh, an eye out for that. Uh, and if there's any other Terra settings released. This is a plan for me uh, that we will be visiting these settings whenever they are dropped um, because I love it so much. <laughs> oh, I, I would love to, I would love to explore more of these settings. Yeah. I, so we will be in Bilgewater awesome. within the next few weeks. We'll record uh, and be in Bilgewater, and um, 
definitely keep an eye out for that. Until then, thank you for joining me on this, Anthony. Um, I'm real, I was really excited when this popped up. I'm glad you reached out to me about it. Uh, I love checking this out. I'm super excited about this setting. Mm -hmm. uh, but until next time, don't forget to wipe. Turn, 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 turn.